Welcome to Leading the Change. This episode is a two-part episode where we will be speaking to members of two of Finnegal's groups. First, I speak to Owen and Rachel from Young Finnegal, Finnegal's Youth Wing. And after that, I speak to Grace and Leila from Finnegal's Women's Network. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do too. Uh, I really encourage you to listen back to some of our other episodes where I had the privilege of speaking to Thisha Leov Radker, uh, Minister Jennifer Carol McNeil, Councillor Thomasina Connell. Uh, you would have heard episodes uh, speaking to Deirdre Clune and Regina Doherty. Um, fantastic conversations with wave makers and change makers uh, at European level, Senate level, and of course in uh, the Dáil. So here is uh, Owen and Rachel from YFG uh, for the first part of this episode and really getting to understand uh, the mechanics of, of Finnegal. And it's great to have um, you both here to understand young Finnegal as a whole uh, and to get a sense of what young Finnegal represents and how it was created. So I'm going to start with you, Owen. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself um, and why you got in young Finnegal or Finnegal as a whole. Yeah, thanks, Maria. It's good to be here. Um, I suppose uh, my name is Owen Gallagher. I'm from Galway, 24 years old, and I'm the president of Young Fine Gael. I suppose my interest in politics is uh, stems from not too dissimilar to yourself, Maria, in terms of what I've been brought up, um, very much immersed in the community. Um, my parents would have been heavily involved in all the community organisations. And um, interestingly, my political interest actually stems back to posters. And um, my mother would always tell the story of how I, uh, when I was six or seven years old, was able to uh, recall all the local election candidates <laughs> from looking at the posters. So I think it's an interesting anecdote for the, the power of political posters. But I suppose when I went to college then, I signed up to Young Fine Gael, And uh, it took me a bit of time to convince myself to go to an event. But once I did, you know, I got a really, really warm welcome. And I haven't looked back since. And now you are? Now I'm the president of Young Fine Gael. Started with the posters. That's it. What an amazing story. Uh, Rachel, what about yourself? Yes, so I'm Rachel. I am from Louth and I'm 24 years old as well. And I am one of the members of the YFG executive. Um, I'm a little bit different maybe with politics. I never really seen myself into it. I was just always very interested in social issues. Um, when we were younger, like I was always really wanted to be an activist more mm -hmm. so than ever join a political party. I remember when we were like eight or nine in the local area. We all went out and we got um, a petition made for a play park and we went around every house knocking on doors. And I don't know why at that stage I didn't realise there was probably politics coming in there. But um, since then, you know, I went to college. I never really felt a calling from any particular party and um, didn't sign up at the time. So then during COVID, I started going to a few different meetings and accidentally ended up on a Fine Gael meeting. And when I researched them a bit more, I realised that their values really aligned with myself. And since then, and I kind of trickled down into YFG from the senior party. Mm. And similar to Owen, haven't looked back since and ended up now in a position that quite quickly from being there. Yeah. What's your position now? So at the moment, I am involved with recruitment on the national exec. I was one of the co-optees after the conference. And we're going to get, for anybody listening, we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of that because I'd love to hear from your experience more so to the, to the both of you of Young Funnel and, and and taking granted, you know, I myself didn't grow up in party politics, as Owen rightly pointed out, community activism was my, was my bread and butter. Funny to me, though, when you talk to people um, about why they got involved in politics from anybody we've chatted so far to the Taoiseach to... Uh, Minister Jennifer Carr McNeil to Councillor Thomasina O'Connell, like multiple. Um, it's always around people and then the social contract we have with them, but we might phrase it a little bit differently. And and I don't know if that's for for Young Fanogail and the experience of that, does that conversation ever get out as much as I think it should do, if that makes sense. I think maybe the conversation that gets out a bit more in Young Fanogail is the people that started quite young, mm -hmm. as opposed to the longer I'm kind of there now, you hear more trickles of that conversation coming out on how people accidentally ended up there because they had that social interest in the community and stuff. Mm. I don't know about yourself, Owen. Yeah, do you feel the same? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think everybody gets involved for different reasons and it's, it's really interesting to hear, you know, what brought people into this party. For some, it's values. Some are um, come from a family that would have had been involved in Fine Gael. Um, but I think a lot of people get involved on uh, based on issues um, and, you mm -hmm. know, they're given the opportunity within Young Fine Gael and Fine Gael, um, 
to, to get access to, to high level ministers right up to Antishuk Leo Varadkar and you know to be given the opportunity to be in the room with the minister or the Taoiseach and to raise whatever the issue is you know I think that's really really powerful for people of our age. Can I just jump in there and say because for me I think examples are, are wonderful ways for listeners to better understand what YFG and the power YFG have so you might talk us through the um, the recent uh, proposal around spiking. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're doing an awful lot of work on, on spiking at the moment in Young Fine Gael, um, And that has culminated in a bill that was drafted by a Young Fine Gael member to make spiking a standalone offence in Irish legislation, which currently it isn't. And this bill would also carry with it a maximum 10 year sentence for spiking. And currently it, it's only three years. And we've gotten great support from the Fine Gael group of senators on this bill. It's passed through a number of stages in the Oireachtas and actually will soon be going through committee stage. And, you know, th- this is something that we noticed um, when restrictions lifted after COVID, that the level of spiking, for whatever reason, went way up. And it's a huge issue which affects young people, you know, people who just want to go and enjoy a normal night out. Mm. And, you know, we, we've called our uh, campaign hashtag prickless nights. So, um, you know, people deserve to go out on a night out and not have to worry about this. But also parents need to not have to worry about this for their, their son or daughter. Um, going on a night out and I know it is something that predominantly um, affects young women but I suppose that's the legislative aspect of it we also have a number of other strands of the campaign we've also called on we've joined Senator Michal Carrigie who's called on pubs and nightclubs to make bottle stoppers and drink lids freely available um, on their premises to curb spiking in that front and the third aspect of it then is just calling for a wider stakeholder um, awareness campaign on you know spots of signs of spiking what to do if um, someone in the vicinity has been spiked, etc. So, you know, I think that's something that really goes beyond the political bubble. And we've been um, really enthused by the level of um, response we've got yeah. to the campaign. But I got to, I mean, when you look at it from, and, and I'm fortunate and honoured to sit in the European Parliament and you hear stories of, well, even interrailing for younger uh, students or, or people that stemmed from young people putting an idea forward to say, hey, here's the European Union, let's go see it and be able to have that access as an 18-year-old to get that free pass and go around. Like it is, it is a powerful tool to have young people's voices at the table. And, and I think in, in your case, as you rightly pointed out, Owen, uh, to have that direct access. And, and I, I really want stay to with, stay with you for a second because, you know, uh, there's challenges facing uh, youth wings of any political party. Um, and I'm not just talking about Irish, I'm talking about international. Um, and I would love to hear from you, what are those challenges uh, facing like the likes of YFG? Uh, and what steps are the executive YFG trying to, uh, try and, trying to address these? And Rachel, if you have uh, some thoughts, absolutely throw in there. Yeah, sure. So like, uh, I think we're, we're operating in an increasingly toxic political landscape in this country and I suppose that's not unique to Ireland too um, unfortunately you know a lot of complex issues have been narrowed to c- become black and white decisions um, just so they fit into a tweet and I know you th- there, there's this you, you had spoken a lot about you know the, the rise of armchair activism yeah. which is something that really kind of would have encouraged me to get involved too and you know actually try and affect change so I think there's there's not as much room for nuance in, in the modern world with the evolving, think things move an awful lot quicker. But I suppose what we're doing to address that and try and combat that is the likes of our spiking bill. You know, so we're we're working on something concrete. And I suppose what we really want to do is create an organisation where the environment and the culture is there that you can get involved and champion an issue that's close to your heart. Mm-hmm. Get in the room with the minister, but it doesn't need to be something huge. You know, it can be as local as. Um, youth facilities in your area it can be something like spiking or it can be something on european level but whatever it is you are given the opportunity and i think that's the key thing is mm-hmm. the opportunity mm-hmm. to raise those issues and affect change whether it's local national or european to you both um a criticism of yfg uh in recent years around women being unrepresented in, in yfg um and that criticism came from me uh also um it to get into the decision-making spaces um, and to you, particularly in this part of the question as a president of the executive, why do you think it's important for YFG to address the gender imbalance? Um, I mean, actually, I got to give it these last elections. There was, a, there was more women putting their hand up, I felt, 
Um, but also, and I say this to everybody listening, when you have young people at home and you mentioned on the armchair activism, like if we don't create a space for people to openly share their thoughts um, um, and end their own armchair activism, get involved in issues, then it's very difficult to elect women into positions in YFT or any any position. So I'd love to hear your thoughts as I went on my <laughs> little bit of a soapbox there. No, I absolutely f fully agree with you, Maria. I suppose like what this is about really is making sure that, you know, there are um, women at the decision making table. And, you know, the best decisions are made when all viewpoints are considered. Mm. But if you don't have all viewpoints at the table, then you're not going to get the best decisions. And, you know, I, I, I do think on this regard, incremental improvements can actually become mm. exponential quite quickly. Um, you know, I spoke to a female member of Young Fine Gael over the course of my campaign to become president who would have told me that her first event she went to, the only reason she came back was because there was another female in the room. And, you know, I think that becomes an awful different story if there are a number of females in the room or if there's females at the top table who are mm -hmm. um, running the event. Um, so I, th I think that um, is a key point. Mm. What do you think are the practice steps for, for, for to get more diversity and not just women, but diversity into the room? I think it's being able to see the people there. Mm. So I think at the moment, Maria, like our membership lists are quite reflective. Like we do have more women in the party. We do have more migrant people, but it's trying to get them to put themselves forward. Mm. And I think sir, going back to what Owen said about, you know, the toxic social media and stuff, we're trying to push people from different backgrounds to go forward. But they're the first people that get targeted on socials. Mm. You know, um, recently one of my good friends who went forward for the national exec who won the seat, when the picture went up and there clearly was not enough of a gender balance at the time, there was only one woman elected. And, it, you know, we are taking practical steps to try and change that. But when the photo went up, it was her who got all the abuse, mm. you know, and it, it was really negative, some of the things. And it was really, you know, cruel that... I don't know why another woman would look at that and say, I'm going to put myself forward there. So until we remove some of that generally from people and from the people online just throwing out the abuse, it's going to be very hard to get more people showing their face. So I think if we can get more people there, it will encourage. But um, we need to remove the negativity mm. for some as well. And and like uh, to Owen's point earlier, like what is it, 280 characters of a tweet is not reflective of a conversation or a party or values uh, and then actually if you go on any of the platforms one in particular beginning with T like it does not uh, it's only a very small percentage of the population that even goes there um, but for those looking at it it's it's skewed um, and I would love to hear from both of you, you you know you walk into a room you're trying to encourage more and more people to join I know come um, come the start of the new year for third levels uh, I know Young Funnel are going to run these amazing campaigns to get more and more people involved like what is that conversation starter for people when you do meet them and you're saying hey here's where we are and this is what we stand for yeah so I suppose <coughs> it was summed up really well to me before uh, particularly around when I was getting involved as crack careers and campaigns <laughs> and I think that <laughs> sums up Young Fine Gael quite well you know we do have a bit of crack and I think that's yeah. really really important and the social dimension is a key part of Young Fine Gael. you know we can work on really important issues mm -hmm. like the spiking or develop policies on really key and difficult areas mm -hmm. um, but we do have a bit of crack mm -hmm. along the way and you know when you get in the room with someone you can have a respectful disagreement and it could be a bit of crack even in the disagreement um, in the careers. Then, you know, a lot of people would join Young Fine Gael and actually end up. Well, we have the party leader, obviously, who came through the ranks of Young Fine Gael as now is the, the Taoiseach. But, you know, even like myself and Rachel joined Young Fine Gael and we've now ended up working um, for members of the parliamentary party or others who end up working in headquarters. Mm -hmm. So that's that is a key point, um, I, I think. And it's it, it's a really good reason to get involved with Young Fine Gael. Mm -hmm. And obviously the campaigns then is something we've touched on in terms of the spiking bill. But, you know, a lot of those campaigns are right down to local level, just affecting change, whether it's a bus timetable in a city or a town yeah, or it's spiking. I, I definitely think it's knowing that we're all normal people. You know, I, I think it can be really easy to see us go into these meetings and meeting with ministers about a spanking campaign and we've drafted a, a bill like that all starts at a small conversation level. Mm. Um, or, an, or a lived experience yeah, with somebody. So it all starts where somebody has heard this or they've gone through it and they bring it to a discussion 
and it gets ciphered through and discussed countless times and we realise that there's really something there that needs to be changed. But also to what Owen's saying, like, we do actually have a social life as well. We also have great experiences. You know, I've, I've made really great friends throughout YFG and also we've had such experiences of going and travelling to the European Parliament and getting to see, you know, decision-making at the top level, getting to go into Leinster House and to view these different things happening. Mm -hmm. So as much as there is the political, like, um, side that can maybe appear scary to some people, like, it really starts at a grass level. Like, it's really minimal how it starts off yeah and you and, and picking up from that point there you know you talked about um and both actually the the pipeline of conversation or career projection or just interest um and how important you know given this is a podcast specifically um to welcome more women and people from diverse backgrounds into our party um into why uh, young Fenugail. i keep saying yfg but for anybody listening just to to, to really break that down to young Fenugail and, and Fenugail, you know, that, that pipeline is incredibly important. Um, and at every point of the conversation today, we've talked about not just the candidate, but also in your roles in working for a representative, uh, in de designing and creating policy based off lived experience and just being really peed off with something not changing in your community to then having a curiosity about politics or seeing something perhaps happening in Europe or a further afield and saying, hang on, do I think the extreme right or the extreme left is dominating here? How do I get involved in that, that, that broad church, middle of the road conversation, uh, which, I, which I have often with younger people? But focusing on that, that, that pipeline piece, you know, how can it play the role for young people listening to this to say, right, you know, be it through your own lived experience, like here, here you can go from A, B, C, D, you can map the way you wish. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, because I think it's so important that we, we, we listeners hear that directly from, from young Finnegal members. Yeah, so when I'm in my speech at the National Conference um, recently, when I took over as president, I would have spoke about how young Finnegal breeds the leaders of the future. Mm. And, you know, that's not just in politics, that's across industry, education, agriculture. And, you know, I had a really good example of that recently when I spoke to the former chair of a college branch, who is now a TD, his secretary is a high court judge and his treasurer is an MEP. So I just thought it was a really good example of, you know, even those who aren't going to get involved in frontline politics or pursue it as a career, being involved in Young Fine Gael is a huge asset to whatever career path you do decide to, to uh, go down. Mm. Probably similar to the spiking campaign, sometimes things really develop from such a small conversation. Mm. And I've even seen it, you know, in my line of work, where you're speaking to a constituent and it's a very minimal thing that ends up having a much wider problem. And when it gets rectified, it makes a big difference. And I think the more people we have engaged in um, genuine discussion mm. versus um, 240 characters online, yeah. it really makes it, you know, a very powerful, rich mm. conversation. Yeah, and just to re-echo that, you know, uh, uh, a problem, what do they say, a problem shared is a problem halved. But when you look at that, issue or a problem facing one person in one small pocket of Ireland, more than likely that's replicated. So to the spiking bill, um, you know, that's happening in sadly in multiple third levels right across the country. So there's there's weight there to continue that on. Um, final question. Um, how can we how can people listening, uh, those that might come upon this, um, get in touch with Young Funogail and um, and end their armchair activism and take it into a different route? Start with you, Rich. So we can pop onto the Finnegale website and we can find all of me and Owen's contact information. There's the general national exec information. We can pop over emails and we'll also be coming to your college branches very soon during our recru recruitment campaigns. Yeah, absolutely. I would really encourage any young person the age is 15 to 35, you know, contact us on social media or yfg.ie and, you know, whatever your interest, whatever your um you're passionate about there is a space for you in this organization and you certainly won't regret it okay i've asked this of a few others um um just that one word that you think um summarizes yfg i think opportunity is really um what stands out you know within this organization even on a personal level i've been given huge opportunity and um, i've really had a chance to grow my skills and my network and if you look at the likes of the spiking bill I mean for 
a group of young people to come together and actually affect legislative change in a country, I think is remarkable. Mm. Mm. How about you, I think exciting. Yeah, kind of similar to what Owen's saying, but, you know, there's never a dull day. The opportunities that present, you know, um, the chances we get and really like being able to see that legislative change at the moment is one of the most exciting things I think I've ever seen. Mm. And knowing that we have played some part in getting a change there. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the last YFG conference. It was uh, show up. Um, and I really took that show up, make your voice heard, vote count um, and let's get active. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks very much Thank for, you, the, Maria. for the conversation. I'm now having a conversation with Grace and Leila from the Finnega Women's Network. And this is the second part of one episode to really showcase to people listening at home just the different roles, the different uh, type of opportunities and learns that you have within Finnega. So I'm going to start with you, Leila. Um, you have been involved in politics for several years now. Mm-hmm. Um, where did that interest stem from and what drives you for that continuous engagement? So um, I did not come from a traditionally, I guess, party political um, family. Uh, so growing up, my mum's side of the family were the traditional, I suppose, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael tensions. But my dad's side, my dad's from the Middle East. So politics was, I guess, very different in our house. I suppose growing up, I knew more about international politics than I did about national politics. Um, and I guess through my dad, it kind of fostered a love for not so much politics, but more how people interact with each other. Mm-hmm. I guess that always really interested me. And it wasn't until I graduated from my undergrad that I um, I think politics, particularly Fine Gael, kind of found me. It's a very random story, but um, actually I credit where I am today now to a man called John O'Hare, who was a, a councillor in the Bailiver Coutil area. And I was doing temping work. John was running for local elections in 2009 and he needed someone to type up his press releases and that was me. And that kind of got me interested in elections and local elections and um, I guess the power of communication, the power of the written word in terms of, I guess, a candidate and their voice. Um, I moved on from um, helping John um, to doing an internship through a master's programme with Joe O'Reilly, who was a senator at the time for Cavan. And I guess I got really, really lucky um, because there was um, a general election broke out in 2011 and I just finished my master's, hadn't got a job. Um, it was a terrible time to be looking for a job because there were no jobs anywhere. The country was, I guess, really in the midst of a recession and Joe was running and he said, you know, do you want a bit of work for a couple of weeks? Do you want to work in my campaign? I said yes. Um, he won and he asked me to be his parliamentary uh, assistant and I said yes to that again. And it really was right place at right time. Um, and I was very lucky. I stayed with Joe for five years. Um, unfortunately, in 2016, um, he wasn't so lucky. So we had to part ways. Um, but I do credit everything I know about politics. And I guess really my love for the party, because that's when I joined the party around that time. I guess from Joe. Um, he really was an inspiration and a mentor to me. Um, I kind of drifted away from the party then when I left, because I left Fine Gael, stayed as a member, but left political, um, working in the political world, moved into communications. But then I suppose I came back through the Women's Network. That's the reason that I actually came back to the party. Um, And I was asked to join the network. And I really feel that Grace and I often have this conversation around, people often say that women shouldn't wait to be asked to join things or to participate. Um, I was asked, and I think I needed to be asked. Mm. Uh, I think it was the power of the asking as well, I think can't be overlooked. So I was asked to come back and um, I guess what keeps me interested is the fact that in those three or four years that I kind of drifted away from the party, I really realised just how far things had come in terms of when I left, um, I would have been probably one of only two people of colour within the party, working elected and non-elected. And then coming back to Fine Gael after kind of drifting for a few years, I was really like pleasantly surprised and incredibly impressed at just how many new spaces there were for people. And the party, I felt, became truly representative of all the different types of people in the society. Um, And there was room for everybody, and there was fantastic networks like the Women's Network. Um, I also saw and felt that a lot of things that obviously happened in society in terms of the marriage equality, and then moving into um, the eighth referendum. And what really impressed me was that Fine Gael was actually I guess, walking in step with society. And they were brave enough, 
as a party to move and change um, with society as they were moving and changing. And I think that's really what, I guess, keeps me interested. And that's why I'm so passionate about the party now, because I really, truly believe that we kind of are in step with society. We're not a step behind and we're not racing to be a step ahead. We're walking alongside them and we're moving and changing with them. And I really hope that continues. Mm. I believe it will, because I think we have fantastic people in the party, elected and none. Um, and I think without tooting the horn, the Women's Network, I think is a fantastic vehicle for that change as well. So, yeah, that's essentially a snapshot of where I came from, a little bit or unorthodox um, and where I am now. Um, and I guess I'm really proud to serve um, and proud to be a member of the network. Yeah, well, that's incredible. Um, an incredible share, because I think people listening, you know, or where you're you're out and about and you're at different meetings and events, be it party or unparty, um, uh, and the, the subject comes up about running and people always assume it's just to run as the candidate <coughs> when actually there is like an orchestra around said candidate mm -hmm. um, and we have multiple of them um, when you think of various representatives from European uh, to obviously our national to local mm -hmm. to the constituency boards to branches to districts uh, and then we move into something that I think is uh, really fresh and different is our networks mm. um, and actually where people then particularly women or people from various backgrounds can look at a network and say right if I'm social or I'm interested in a, a specific issue when I say social I mean social contract you know how do we make our communities better for all and not just some um, the networks hold that space which then I segue over to you uh, Grace and hear a little bit about like Leila, was it uh, years of experience, obviously, in politics? Was it stepping in, stepping out, finding a newness to it when you step back in? Or, or how has your journey been? Yeah, and a journey is how I would describe <laughs> it. <laughs> so I grew up in a very political household. Uh, both my parents were very politically active. They met through politics. My father was a politician. He was a government minister in Gary Fitzgerald's two governments. Uh, he was minister for education on my first day of school. So, and he abolished corporal punishments. So that was always uh, an interesting dynamic to navigate. Hang on, I have to, I have to interject here. <laughs> Tell me about the first day of school and your dad is literally your teacher's boss, yeah. essentially. <laughs> well, I suppose I didn't know any different. I never had a first day of school. I didn't really, you know, realise um, that, you know, this. I suppose it wasn't until afterwards I kind of realised or saw the photos in the papers or, you know, people for years afterwards used to talk to me about my first day of school. It was like, it was a bit bizarre. Um, <laughs> but at the time it didn't really, you know, it was, it, yeah. yeah, it was just, that was just, yeah, yeah sure, it's the first day of school. Um, but yeah, teachers, it was interesting with teachers because, you know, the teachers and the unions really did not want corporal punishment in schools to be abolished. Um, so it was, it, it was definitely an interesting journey through school. They always knew who you were. <laughs> so I suppose I was always politically aware and politically interested. But um, before my father passed away, he'd warned me off politics. And he passed away when I was in my early 20s. So in the aftermath of his death, I, you know, I heeded that advice and I concentrated on my mum and my own career and qualifying as a solicitor. Uh, but I remember having a conversation with my mother who was still active at the time, and, and still is active, um, about gender quotas when I was in my 20s. With the confidence of youth, I was telling her how I completely disagreed with gender quotas and the world had changed, and if I or any other woman got a job, you know, we didn't want it to be because of quota, we wanted it to be on merit. And I remember saying to me, well, of course, I mean, that is the way the world should work. And I thought the same when I was in my 20s, but what has really changed in the last 20 years? You know, we still have very few women in politics. You know, who is representing the voices mm -hmm. of over half of the population? Still have huge gender imbalance and organizations and particularly leadership positions. And that conversation stayed with me. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize, yeah, she was right, actually. The best person for the job didn't always get the job. And in my 30s then, I kind of, you know, was looking around and realising that actually maybe the world hadn't come as far as I thought it had come. And well, what was I going to do about it? You know, was I going to actually do something to try and make sure that we weren't having these conversations in 20 years time? So I got more involved in politics and then I became a mum uh, of my twin girls. And 
I was like, well, you know, I, I really do need to do something to make sure that they aren't having these conversations mm -hmm. in 20 years' time. I suppose my natural home was Finnegal, but I did take a step back and really consider, well, is Finnegal still right for me? Um, and for me, you know, social progress and social change was really important. And if you if you look at it, I mean, it is Finnegal who have been leading on that front. You know, divorce, uh, same sex, uh, marriage equality, repealing the eighth gender quotas, and more recently, maternity leave for counsellors. And that's really important to me that Finnegal are listening, and as Leila said, you know, listening and learning and actually implementing change. So that's why I am involved. And I suppose why I'm even more determined to make sure that we progress and that my daughters don't have to have these conversations because it will be done. You know, as we'll have completed our democracy as regards gender and diversity and inclusion. Yeah. In, a, in an earlier episode, we, we would we hear from uh, Francis Fitzgerald, now MEP and formidable force at a national front, um, had shared a sentiment around unfinished democracy. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it actually was a really powerful way um to to phrase it and then when you look at what the women's network is doing uh, on behalf of Nogel and society as a whole may i say not just on party but um later from from you um the women only spaces making sure that network is there and mm -hmm. strong taking in from what grace has just shared making sure those social contract pieces are constantly being moved as well as economic as well as everything else yeah. but um, you know, it's often if you look at Minister Helen McEntee and her work as Minister for Justice, you know, talking about the really important things that are often pushed or have been pushed mm. on to the fringe, um, but are so desperately important to, to women and, and people mm. who are um, who don't see themselves in politics. Um, for you, tell me a little bit about the network and, and, and those specific spaces. Mm. Well, I suppose first and foremost, um, it'd be great to be in a situation where we didn't need specific spaces yeah, for people. For sure. That's the ideal world. We don't live in that world, unfortunately. But I suppose the value of the network that I have found um, from my time um, being in the network and uh, co-chairing with Grace is that the power of our network is actually immense. And I don't think we've even realised it yet. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like we're just at the beginning of something. Um, I don't know what that is, but I think it's something incredibly special. And Grace actually reminded me of um, something that happened last year that really, I think, illustrated just the imp how important our spaces are. And I suppose when we think back to traditional, when I joined Fine Gael, the space for you was your local branch. Mm. So you joined up and you were connected into your local branch and you went along to your local branch meeting and that was fine. And that was great. Um, like branches can be fantastic ways to meet like-minded people that share your worldview and to have really robust discussions about issues of fa facing um, our country and nationally, locally as well. So fantastic spaces. But more often than not, and I found this in my role working with Joe, and um, when I went around to branch meetings um, throughout Cavan, is the majority of the people who turned up at branch meetings were men. Um, and that's just the way that it was. Of a certain vintage. Of a certain vintage, yes. yes. I'll call um, it out. You're a bit too yeah. polite to call yeah. it out. Yeah, of a certain vintage. Um, and Which are scary rooms to walk into, and they I can are. say that from experience. They yeah. are. And like, I was 22 years old, and I was going into um, like these spaces, um, I suppose, kind of you know, pubs and um, mostly pubs, actually. Actually, they were all pubs um, <laughs> in rural parts of Cavan. And very welcoming. Everybody was lovely, but they were generally um, mostly male spaces. Um, and I guess I didn't think too much of it at the time, but only on reflection do you begin to actually realise things. There wasn't really a space for, for women. Um, and I suppose the power of the network is, is that it creates that space. It'd be great if it wasn't needed, but it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would argue that women's issues are everyone's issues, you know, mm -hmm. problems facing that are impacting women in this country are impacting men as well. So it's kind of a, a balancing is what I agree. But in terms of the network and why it's important, like we find through the network, it's just a fantastic place for women to come together um, that it's outside of the branch. It's mm -hmm. outside of, I guess, the party political structure and we're all convening together because we share I suppose a common interest and a passion for issues that impact us so whether it is healthcare or education or the economy it's issues that I guess we put a, a female or a, a kind of um I guess I guess you could say a female lens to these issues and we talk about how they affect us how they affect our families and how they affect society and more importantly we also talk about how things should change and ideas that we have but we also inspire 
I think, each other to get more active and mm -hmm. involved in the party. And I think that's incredibly important. And what Grace reminded me of just over the last few days was the Ardesh. So um, at the Ardesh last year, I think it was the first one we had in person. For those listening, COVID. that is a gathering of all uh, yes. of all party members, predominantly from right across the country, that gather usually in one place every two, two years. years. Uh, and then we have a conference usually in between that, like a winter conference, just for anybody listening. So yeah. they might be new and hear Ardesh for the first time. Fair point. So um, at the Ardesh last year, I guess in the build up to that, we got really involved with um, the network. Um, and I guess we got everyone kind of energised around the Ardesh was coming up and we spoke about the impact you can have as a member at the Ardesh. So for those that don't know, at the Ardesh, there's a moment in time where motions can be laid down, I guess, to change how the party structure is governed and can tend to kind of walk towards impacting policy. And we mobilised, um, I guess, the network. And I think through Grace and her, her legal brain and legal training, we uh, drafted a couple of motions <laughs> and got some of our network members to put those motions forward. Many women who had never thought about standing up in front of a room mm -hmm. before and putting down a motion, you Some know, using their voice. for years and they'd never exactly. been to an Ardesh. Yeah. So yeah. like, that was really powerful. It was huge. And they all came and we had a stand at the Ardesh and we had, I think, the most amount of women I've seen in one place at, at an Ardesh yeah. <laughs> or at any kind of Fine Gael event. And it was fantastic. And I think the feedback from the women was it was a space they'd never thought of going to mm -hmm. um, but when they were there they recognised the value of all of us just being together and how important it is to be there and I guess so often we feel in politics that it's very passive it's happening over there and we may not feel that our voice is important or you know we have a role but I think through the network we've really shown that you know we not only have a place and a space but we actually have a purpose as well mm -hmm. and yeah I think that's why the network is so valuable and that's why women-only networks, I suppose, which the network is, um, I guess, does have a place and does have a value and a purpose. Yeah, with the clear line of this is ideally not forever. Uh, no. Like gender quotas, to your exactly. point, Grace. You know, I, I mean, I remember getting asked by a young, uh, a young, uh, young hot-blooded uh, <laughs> person who was like, I just don't understand how you could support gender quotas. And I was like, I don't want them. But if we don't have them, then fundamentally nothing <laughs> changes. Yeah. Um, which is uh, for both of you, uh, we'll start with Grace, just what are the challenges? What are the challenges you're hearing for women to step into these spaces um, and for other uh, uh, people from and I, and I say people and I, and I mean it in such a, 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 a welcoming tone of people who are calling Ireland home for the first time, people who are um, learning English or Irish for the first time. You know, there's so many different narratives within that space. It's not just women, but predominantly this 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 podcast of, of leading the changes is, is focused at women um tell me some of those challenges that you are hearing and learning from and and perhaps no doubt have experienced yourselves yeah i suppose we don't really talk about politics as a worthy profession in school mm. and i think that is something we probably need to change because it is a worthy profession and we need to see young people considering it at an early stage as being a profession worthwhile um, and fundamentally we need more women at all levels and in all parties. You know, when you look at the statistics, only so many women can be elected because only so min many women are being selected. And you know, we need to, I think, you know, mm. invite women in. I hope that these podcasts and what we're doing in the network really is an invitation to women to please come and join us, whatever party. We just need more women, yeah. fundamentally, because mm -hmm. unless we have diversity of thought, and experience at the decision-making table, decisions aren't going to reflect all of society. Mm -hmm. I think that's really the big thing. Mm -hmm. And I think Fine Gael is really trying to do that. I think gender quotas are also helping because it's pushing all yeah. parties to do it. Um, I think Jennifer and Thomasina spoke really well about some of the challenges that politicians face on a day-to-day -day basis when it comes to social media and around maternity leave and childcare and I suppose the long hours, you know, that's still a really big challenge, I think, for women. Um, but I think maybe sometimes there's a little bit too much mystery about political parties mm -hmm. and, you know, people just don't really know how to join or, you know, if they're qualified. It's like, you, you don't have to be qualified. We just need your life experience. Yeah. Come and talk yeah. to us. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I talked to, I'm fortunate, I talked to some women, um, a lot of women at, at various points and across the constituency in Midlands Northwest and 
It's funny you're thinking, uh, I have asked, are you interested in running mm. at any point or getting involved in a political party? And they're like, oh, what experience would I have? And I was like, oh, and I have no networks or no, fr- yeah. like, uh, tell me about your networks. And, uh, you know, one woman in particular was, um, she had an uh, unknowns to her. She would talk to parents when she dropped her kids off. Uh, then she would uh, go into her own business and had multiple clients who then also had multiple networks. Uh, she'd have pick her kids back up again, go to different sports or different uh, community events, had various networks, was also part of the Tiger Towns. I was like, you, you do realize yeah. you're already doing the work <laughs> as a public representative yeah, yeah. and you're, you're not getting uh, the title for it. Um, yeah. But Leila, what's, from your mm. point, like what uh, to, to compliment Grace's mm. point there, like what are the other... Um, uh, what are the other challenges mm. women are facing? I think just touching on networks, I think it's something that men have done so well for so many years is developing the power of the network. Mm. And I think that's something that we're definitely trying to do. And I think we're doing it quite successfully so far with the Finnegan Women's Network. But just to touch off a point that um, I mentioned earlier, and it's the, I guess one of the challenges is that question or that comment that's often used of, um, you know, don't wait to be asked, just put yourself forward. And I really would love to retire that comment. Um, it's usually said by men as well, actually. In fact, I think it's only ever been said to me by a man. Um, but I'd love to retire it because I feel like it comes from a place of privilege. You know, I feel like it comes from a place of if you, you know, if you feel like you have everything kind of set, you have the confidence, you have the backing, you have the support network, you have the network, you can then put yourself forward. Not everybody has that. And more often than not, some really good people that should be in our party and we really need to have their voice don't have that. So they need to be asked. Um, and I think that's really important to debunk that like, oh, you, you know, you should, you should be, you know, put yourself forward. No, I think we we should, as a network, we have a responsibility to ask mm. and invite women in. Um, because I think the stakes are higher for women, mm. especially when it comes to, and we're talking about, I guess, elected politics specifically. There are spaces for work uh, for supporting and non-elected, but for elected politics, I think the, s- the stakes are higher for women. Um, they're higher for members of the LGBTQ plus community. They're higher for um, women of colour. They're higher for people with disability. Um, and the reason for that is because you have more hurdles to cross mm. over. Um, and when you're entering political life, when you see things like the working hours, the long hours, uh, Grace mentioned abuse online, you know, do you want to put yourself forward to that if you don't have that support network behind you? And I guess we in the Finnegan Women's Network want to be that thing that women lean back on, that support network. Um, and that's why I really feel that um, that challenge of feeling like you have to push yourself forward if you haven't got the confidence, I think actually can stop and prohibit a lot of really good people from coming through. I think we need to be better at asking. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of asking and and, and hearing yeah. the challenges from both of you, the practicalities. So you mentioned terms of leaning back. Mm. Um, I'm forever going to do that now when I think of uh, because it's it's, a, it's an important and, and um, very prevailing uh, step. Um, what are the, some of the practicalities? Now, I know... Um, Deirdre Campbell and Kathleen Fahey we we had on a podcast also earlier looking at um, the the different mentorship programs do you want to talk a little bit about them and what they what they bring or what what you what you want them to bring to candidates yeah or people stepping into the party yeah so I suppose the mentorship programs that we're running I think First and foremost, I want to call out Deirdre Campbell and Lavinia Duggan because there would not be a mentorship programme without Deirdre Campbell and Lavinia Duggan. Um, I mean, it's just fantastic what they've done um, and we're so proud. And I think we are really privileged to actually have um, such fantastic... They're just, I guess, an example of two fantastic women that we have on the leadership team and in the network. But they really put their heart and soul into mm-hmm. developing the programmes. And I guess for us in the network, we talk about equality and we talk about balance. I tend to lean more towards gender balance than equality, um, but it's more about more than just numbers. It's more mm-hmm. than it's more than just having a certain amount of women in the party. Um, it's about the powerful and transformational effect that it um, means to actually have women and diverse voices in the party. And I suppose mentoring is really really important because it ensures that women feel supported and they have yeah. that kind of support network behind them. But there are two programs that we run. Lavinia and, and Deirdre actually spearheading put so much time into it's the aspirant mentorship program um, and that actually seeks to build out um, confident and successful candidates who want to contest local elections so specifically for those women who are 
pretty much 99.9% sure that they want to go forward to local elections. So it's for that cohort of And bear of in mind, member. anybody listening, local elections, European elections are on early June next year, 2024. Exactly. Um, take this as if you haven't been asked or want to get involved or want to hear more about the mentorship program is the segue to do that. Exactly, <laughs> 100%. No, this is exactly. And this is, I suppose, the value really mm. of the value in action um, mm. of, of our network. And the second one um, is a leadership program. And that is designed, I think this is the most interesting one, actually. It's designed for women who, they may want to run for par- for political office. They may want to get involved in the party or maybe they just want to build their confidence um, and get involved in maybe more leadership roles within the party structure or just, I suppose, just build their confidence, essentially. And and that is a fantastic programme where it essentially helps women on that journey. And some of those women may end up running for political office. Some of them may end up running for um, a party office or just may end up being fantastically confident f- women in Fine Gael. So they're just the two programmes that are run and they run very successfully they are um, run over seven months and it's kind of a mixed group of programming um it's peer-to-peer sessions along with practice focus sessions as well it's a combination of in-person and online and I think the first groupings of the graduates are going to be graduating I think in September mm-hmm. and then we're going to have the sessions because it's been they've been so I suppose um people really really want to kind of get involved we're hoping to run them again in September so watch the space for mm-hmm. the call out for um applicants for both of those programs so I guess if anyone's listening and they're either thinking of running for election or would like to just maybe get a bit more, develop more confidence, or even just meet like-minded women, um, watch the space for information on that. And I suppose, just to say, we're really proud um, of the fact that, I guess, the party have also invested in this too. I think that's incredibly important. Um, And it also shows how the network can be a valuable resource to the party. And I think that's something that we're really working hard on as well. I'm so delighted you you talked us through that in great detail, Mm. because... You know, sometimes, and like I said at the outset, and I think each of you have, have touched on it too, you know, you hear, well, Finnevale is this, Finnevale is that. Um, I said in other interviews, the 280 characters you see on a tweet is not always reflective yeah. of what you, of the values of our party. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we are holding, uh, we are holding the candle for the next generations that will come. We are building for your daughters. We are building for our sisters, um, um, future mums, um, spear makers. Like the list is endless, um, which is why I want. And, and this is where I am uh, only wish this conversation could continue on. But my final question to you both is, you know, um, what would you say to women listening that are interested in getting involved in politics? be it as a candidate, be it as someone um, who fits the mentorship or leadership program perfectly, mm-hmm. that just wants to experience, ask questions, step inside the door. I think buddy systems are amazing when you go into a branch or constituency meeting, you're not walking in on your own. Yeah. That's a very terrifying room to always walk into. Like, what would you say to those women listening mm-hmm. who just need that final, hmm, curiosities catch me now and this space feels like a welcoming, welcoming space for me to explore in? So I think... Yeah, we often hear people saying, oh, I'm not very political. I don't, you know, I don't really yeah. know. Well, actually, if you have an opinion on anything from uh, budget measures to climate change to equality, you know, you are, you have political opinions. And if you have opinions, we'll speak up and make sure your voice is heard and represented. Because if we don't speak up, how are politicians supposed to know? And we need more diversity and we need to hear more voices speaking up. So I would say this is your invitation to you. Get involved. You don't, you know, you may not realize how powerful your opinions and your voice are, but please use them and please come and join us. And I think the really important thing with the network is we've been able to connect with amazing women all around the country that we didn't necessarily know were there when we went to our local branch or constituency Mm -hmm, meeting. And the network, as Leila said, is more than just about aspiring candidates. It's about women who want to be as involved or not. You know, I I came in um, more recently as a member and kind of observed for a little while and then took chair of a branch and then now I'm chair of Dublin Fingal and co-chair of the Women's Network. But you don't have to do any of that either if you just want to come and um, come to the conversations and listen and tell us what your opinion is and your ideas and recommendations. And women are great at saying, well, if I only ran the country, well, come and tell us. If you only (laughs) ran the country, come and tell us. We want to hear it. So please do come and join a party, whatever party resonates with you, because it's really important to get involved. 
I would agree with Grace. I would say, yeah, like come, come join us. Um, come along, listen to our conversations. Don't feel pressured. Like I guess there is this mis misconception that if you're interested in politics, oh, you want to become a politician or you want to run. That's not the case. And um, there's so many different ways you can be involved in politics. Um, and as Grace said, the network really is kind of there as like we really are such a broad church in terms of viewpoints and um, perspectives, backgrounds, life experience. Everybody has something to give. Um, I think our network and our leadership team are fantastic women. I mean, every time we meet, I learn something new. Um, it's a fantastic and supportive space. And I just think I'd love to see more women get involved. Um, I'd love to meet more women. I know they're out there. Um, and I suppose, yeah, it's just be brave as well. You know, be brave. Um, it's a welcoming space. You know, it's not like you're walking into that branch meeting in that rural pub at half nine at night on a cold November night. And, and the only and the only woman, the only a woman. certain age. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's which, a is, which is important. And I'm super grateful for yeah. you um, demystifying a lot of the, yeah. um, the the misconceptions out there, because when I talk to people, it's like, no, it's it's not like that at all. And actually, it could be a lot better for everyone yeah. if we got more and more involved. Mm -hmm. And you would have heard early in the same episode when we talked to Young Fanagail representatives Owen and Rachel, you know, that armchair activism, we have a voice, we have a vote, mm -hmm. make that count. But also to, to your point, uh, to both your points, um, at some point that armchair activism needs to be actioned um, and be it in large or small quantities, whatever it may be, yeah. you are value uh, and your value matters and particularly in this party and we want to hear from you. So um, yeah, get involved and thank you very, very no much problem. to you both. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. What a great conversation. I really enjoyed hearing uh, from Owen and Rachel about their perspectives about getting more young people involved. And, and I'm really looking forward to uh, when young Fenrell and us uh, in the party go out and meet young people, uh, particularly uh, in third levels right across the country in the coming months. It's really, really important. And then speaking to Grace and Leila and hearing the immense work they're doing behind the scenes uh, to really make sure women uh, and candidates and, and volunteers and people taking over the constituency and really supporting the constituency uh, are making great waves of change uh, in across the country too. So please check out Young Fenugail and our Fenugail Women's Network. Next time, which is our final episode of Leading the Change, I will speak to Justice Minister Helen McEntee and Navin Councillor Yemi Adunuga. I'm really looking forward to speaking to these very impressive women. And if you'd like to learn more about how you could lead the change, visit finnegale.ie forward slash get involved. There's loads of stories from some of our representatives about why they got involved, plus lots of useful information about how Finnegale can support you. Uh, speak to you next time. <laughs>